you so much to both of you for for joining us here on KBU. Thank I you. I also want to yeah, also want to thank our audience for tuning in tonight. This is Steven Siegel. You've been listening to Labor Radio. Tune in next Monday and every Monday at six o'clock to catch another Labor Radio show. Listening to KBOO Community Radio. We're talking with Artie Finn from APDS. Artie, welcome to Prison Pipeline. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat with you. Thank you. Um, Artie, so tell us a little bit about your organization. I know you address issues around recidivism and um, education. Yep. So our mission is to prepare every justice impacted individual for a living wage career. We do that by providing technology. So we have secure tablets that go inside correctional facilities. We do assessments. We then individualize education for those folks. We provide data and we do a lot of training for program staff because we know at the end of the day, you can't just hand somebody a tablet and say, hey, uh, change your life. So they need effective support in order to do that. So APDS sort of does the entire continuum. And for those folks who don't know, uh, most folks who are incarcerated, so there's over 2 million of them incarcerated on any given day, do not get access to programming. So less than 17% of the folks that are incarcerated in this country get any access to programming. And... Uh, you marry that with the fact that 95% of them are going to get out. And what you've done is create a system of warehousing, not a place of rehabilitation. So APDS is really trying to change that equation. The other thing about uh, us is that we are a public benefits corporation and a B corporation. So we have from the beginning uh, never charged incarcerated folks and their friends and family for access to our technology. Uh, so the folks that pay for our solutions are 
the Department of Corrections, Departments of Labor, Departments of Education. Um, and we're now, I think, in 18 states. Um, that changes uh, every day. So 18 states and over 200 facilities. Oh, that's great. Um, where's, where's, where, where are you based? Um, uh, so the company's based in New York City, but we have a fully remote workforce. So uh, we have employees um, from Alaska to North Carolina to Florida to uh, Minnesota, all over the place. I myself am in Annapolis, Maryland. Do you ever employ formerly incarcerated adults? We do. 15% of our workforce is formerly incarcerated. We are firm believers that everybody deserves second chances. And our approach to hiring formerly incarcerated is we post the job, you apply for the job. If you have the right skill set, you will be considered along with anyone else who's applying for that job. Um, and should you be selected, the uh, the only requirement we have is we will do a background check, but what we say to folks who have uh, criminal records is just tell us what's going to show up on the background check, um, and we will, uh, if that matches what we find, then we will extend an offer. I think that's really important because one of the big challenges for folks who are formerly incarcerated getting employment is Employers will say, oh, yes, I'm, I'm second chance friendly. I, you know, I believe in ban the box, except that many employers will say to folks, um, you know what, uh, I actually won't hire anybody with certain types of crimes. So if you're a sex offender, if you are a violent offender, APDS doesn't believe in that. We don't care about the nature of your crime. We care about your ability to do the job and your interest in changing your life and the lives of those who are uh, uh, who are involved in the criminal justice system. Thanks. Um, so tell me a little bit more about the programs that APDS um, brings into correctional facilities to uh, train people in living wage jobs. Can you talk a little bit about those programs? Yeah. So our approach is, uh, I, don't, I don't know if you know, but most, uh, if you are, if you do not have a high school diploma or a high school equivalency, you're something like 60% more likely to be incarcerated. And so the idea is that we do everything from adult basic education, ESL, all the way through high school equivalency and post-secondary on the education side. We started as purely sort of an ed tech company and quickly realized that there are many other areas of support we need to provide. So we have a whole set of content organized around what we call rehabilitation. And that is everything from cognitive behavioral therapy, uh, all the way through addictions counseling, any mental health support. Um, we also provide a whole host of vocational training mostly around focused around two areas, um, technology, so IT types of training, as well as manufacturing, uh, and then re-entry supports. And that basically involves access to what are all of the things you're going to need access to to be successful post-release. We're also firm believers that re-entry has to start at the moment of incarceration, or involvement in the criminal justice system. So we really try to assess 
and understand that individual because not only do we want to make programming ubiquitous, available to everybody, we want to also individualize it. So what you need is probably very different than what I need. That's great. What are some of your most popular programs? I would I would guess probably the GED program. Yeah, so adult basic ed through high school equivalency. Uh, you know, there's been big talk about the Pell being available and so post-secondary being available, but what most people don't realize is that about 80% of the folks behind bars are either not Pell eligible or Pell ready. And so you are 100% correct that uh, most of our work is around uh, adult basic education through high school equivalency preparation. How long does a typical program run? I mean, if someone's working on trying to get their GED while they're on the inside, how long uh, it should usually they expect? Takes, it usually takes anywhere from six months to a year. It sort of depends on how much access they have to the technology and to program staff. Uh, so if you have uh, access to our technology, both in the classroom as well as in your housing unit, you can get through the program much quicker. If it's only available in your housing unit or only available in the classroom, it will take generally a bit longer. So nine months to a year. And is the training, is it mostly virtual online or is it, uh, is it hybrid? Is some of it in person? It's, it's hybrid generally. That's what we try to encourage. Much of our uh, programming though is asynchronous, which means that an individual can do it at their own pace. And then uh, a big piece of what we offer is data. So a teacher or a staff member can look and see how I'm progressing through my programs and step in and intervene if I've stopped or if I'm stuck, that kind of thing. Well, that's great. Um, how, is the pro how are your programs implemented within um, facilities? Do you, uh, let's see, first of all, do you go to both federal and state facilities? Are you mostly focused on state or county? Uh, uh, what kind of facilities do you offer services in? Uh, so we do it in actually uh, five areas. So we do prisons and jails uh, at the state and county level. We do parole and probation again at the state and county level. And we do alternatives to incarceration at the state and county level. We are not yet in any federal facilities, although we would love to be at some point because um, in many ways, the feds are way behind what the uh, states and counties are doing. Oh, great. Uh, and then from an implementation standpoint, it's actually implementation in some ways is the most important part of what we do. Because if we don't get implementation right, the program doesn't run as expected. So we do both virtual training uh, for corrections uh, staff as well as in-person training. So we just rolled out a program in the state of Massachusetts where we actually, uh, in we deployed in every prison in the state. They're actually the first state in the country to offer programming to everybody who's incarcerated. And we trained both the uh, correction staff, custody staff, as well as um, the individuals receiving the devices, because I think uh, many people may not realize, but there are people who've been incarcerated for 20, 30 years who've never seen uh, touchscreen technology or tablets, let alone a smartphone. So we're sensitive to that and we train for that as well.
Oh, great. Um, can you say, regarding implementation, can you tell me a little bit more about how would a program, say there's uh, someone listening to this who's uh, either um, an adult in custody and they'd like to request the, um, so how, if, if there would, was an adult in custody or somebody who works at a facility or even a loved one, because we have a lot of people who listen to the program who have loved ones who are incarcerated, how could they lobby to get um, your programming at their facility? How does that happen? Uh, so we have a sales team that goes out and talks to correctional facilities across the country. I think if you want to, if you are the loved one of somebody who's incarcerated, you should reach out to us through our website and uh, tell us what facility your loved one is in, um, any contacts you may have at that facility, and we can begin a dialogue directly with that facility. Um, we are increasingly seeing uh, the demand for our program because we're one of the few companies that offers at no cost to incarcerated individuals access to high quality programming that actually leads to living wage employment. And uh, so we are increasingly seeing uh, correctional facilities reach out to us and ask us how they can implement our technology. Thanks, let's talk about funding for a little bit. I know we kind of mentioned that at the beginning. Um, you know, a lot of people think that we should spend as little money as possible on educating and re rehabilitating adults in custody. They feel like the purpose of prison is punishment and that people shouldn't be getting perks. Um, so I know that budget issues are always a concern with DOC. Um, how is uh, how is this funded? So uh, I think I need to, to say one thing before I get into the funding, which is 95% of the folks <clears throat> that are incarcerated in this country are getting out. And uh, the purpose of incarceration is to help them change their mindset and their ability to actually become uh, net, uh, instead of uh, to help them become productive tax-paying citizens. So we really need to um, invest in education. And the ways that correctional institutions pay for it is a number of ways. One, directly out of their budget, which can often be challenging. Two, through um, uh, what's called the Workforce Innovation Opportunity Act, WIOA funding. That's from the Department of Labor. Um, and then finally from the Department of Education that sometimes uses Title I funding or other um, education resources. And of course, Pell Grants, which are now opening up to folks, I think by July of this year. So in a number of facilities across the country, we offer post-secondary education and those are funded through uh, the Pell program. Great. Um, you mentioned there were at least two areas that you do vocational training for. One was, um, I think you said technology, and the other one was manufacturing. Can you talk about those programs a little bit more in depth? Yeah, so because we deliver our programming on a secure tablet, we have to have a way to offer access to content that folks can actually use. So uh, manufacturing training, so whether it is um, machine maintenance or operations can all be learned through the device. And then apprenticeships 
then they're eligible for apprenticeships if they get the credential. So I'll give you an example. Um, I'll give you an example on the technology side where we do everything from IT help desk training all the way through uh, more complex credentials. We ran a program inside the Washington DC jail. Um, and for most people uh, who don't know, jails are often less than a year stay. So we have a short amount of time with folks. So we partnered with Amazon Web Services and offered a certified cloud practitioner credential. It was a 10 week program. It was hybrid, meaning it was delivered both in person um, using a product that we have called Virtual Classroom and asynchronously in their housing units. And for 10 weeks, we prepared a group of, these were incarcerated males in one housing unit. Uh, we had the only prerequisites to enter the program was you, you had to have a high school diploma or a high school equivalency. You had to, and you had to take four uh, prerequisite cloud computing courses. Anyone who did that was eligible. We had 15 folks enrolled in the program. Amazon Web Services told us this is not an easy credential to obtain. Uh, we expect about a 50% pass rate. I'm really proud to say we achieved a 90% pass rate. And two of the folks who are now, who participate in that program, who unfortunately are now in the federal system, uh, we're working on um, finding jobs for them, using utilizing that skill, that credential. Great, thank you. What about um, what about other programs? I mean, there there are for for a lot of people getting out of an institution, they seem to be not as prepared as we would ideally love to see people be prepared. They 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 leave a facility, go to a halfway house. Maybe if they're lucky, they have family. They're going out looking for a job, but it's really hard to find a job because most employers won't hire felons. Right. Um, and they don't necessarily have much skills training. I mean, people know about an informal network for people who are formerly incarcerated, um, you know, maybe getting a job as a flagger or getting a job at a salon. Right. But um, what other, what, how do you actually help your clients to actually make that transition? I mean, once they've been trained, right. what kind so, of networks of support do they have to actually step into the world once they're post-release and actually make that successful transition? So there's a couple things we're doing is we are one, partnering with departments of labor and workforce boards around the country who have direct relationships with employers. So in the state of Tennessee, for example, we're uh, in every county jail in the state of Tennessee. And there you start programming when you're incarcerated, you'll get out and you can continue that programming under the auspices of a program manager at the Department of Labor. And they will help connect you to employers. Simultaneous to that in Tennessee, we're piloting with one employer. Um, I'm not at liberty to um, release their name yet, but they've actually given us training materials on our devices. Anyone who completes those training materials uh, is eligible to sit for an interview. 
So uh, those are living wage jobs they're offering, but they're at a very uh, base level. And the company is committed to hiring folks and then creating career pathways for them once they've been employed uh, for six months. So we're really excited about a program like that because as you pointed out, the skill set is so varied across the country and across individuals. So we do both basic programs and partnerships with uh, government institutions that can help bring employers in. In Massachusetts, we're doing actually a different type of program where we're looking at giving folks apprenticeships so that ideally they'll do them while they're incarcerated, but if they can't, they'll do them post-release, but either way, uh, they will be paid. Great, thank you. Um, we're talking today with Artie Finn from ADPS, um, an organiza- a service organization that provides education and uh, training resources for adults in custody, as well as, um, uh, what, what were the five programs again? I just wanna make sure I get that right, Artie. What, So we work in in jails and prisons and parole, probation, and alternatives to incarceration. Great. Thank you. Yeah. And how many people uh, do you think you, how many clients do you have maybe in in a typical year? Oh, it's very hard to say because folks cycle in and out. Uh, I would say we reach, what we say is we reach over 200 institutions a day. So wow. you can do the, the the math there, but if they mm-hmm. on average house about 500 folks, you're talking about quite a large pool of folks that we're starting to touch. Do you know what, so one of your statistics, I think I read in your press release was, it was something like 57% of all adults in custody have never participated in any kind of education program within prison. Um, yes. Do you know about how many people on average within a facility will participate in your your programming? Like what percentage, do you have any ideas? Yeah, so uh, if you take the state of Massachusetts, for example, where everybody has the opportunity, something like 95% uh, participate. You, people must be really excited to have an opportunity to get an education. I mean, how do people uh, they respond? They are, they are. So I was in the Utah State Prison last week interviewing uh, incarcerated folks, and I actually asked them that question. I said, if we made, they were talking to us about the different types of they, programming they used on our tablets, what they'd like to see. And I asked them, I said, if, we, if this program was available to you all the time, because not everybody in, in the state of Utah right now, they share our tablets. Um, if this was available to you all the time, would you participate in programming? And 100% of the folks I spoke to said yes. And I think there's a real hunger for programming for folks who are incarcerated. And we have an obligation and an opportunity in this country to give them the skills they need to not come back into the system. You know, when you look um, at the the stats that states report on, uh, it's all negative statistics, right? Uh, we talk about uh, recidivism rates. We don't talk about how many people we got employed. We don't talk about uh, what was the average starting salary. And it's because we don't invest in that. We're afraid to talk about those numbers. And so I think we really have to change the dialogue in this country 
to be one of positivity and highlighting success stories as opposed to the negative. Wow, that's really great. I mean, you sound a little bit like an advocate there. <laughs> I, I am a firm believer. I, you know, I, I always tell people who, who work at APDS, I always say to them, we don't accept our industry for what it is. We're trying to change it. And if we do our job right within the next five to 10 years, we will have changed the correctional system from one of warehousing to one of true rehabilitation, where anyone who wants or needs access to programming gets it. So we're not talking about 83% of people not having access to programming, but everybody getting access. And I'm really excited to say that Massachusetts is the first state in the country to fully embrace that. And Tennessee is close behind Utah. It, it's, it's, it's spreading across the country. And I firmly believe we're going to change corrections for good forever. Well, that's great. Well, we've got maybe three minutes left in the show. Is there anything that we haven't touched on yet that you'd really like to highlight? I mean, one of the things I'm curious about is um, getting a college degree. Can people get a college degree through your program? A hundred percent, they can get a college degree. Uh, in fact, I saw somebody, uh, I was in a correctional facility, a, a medium security facility in the state of Massachusetts. I was talking to somebody who is in solitary confinement. Massachusetts is in the process of getting rid of solitary confinement. Um, and that person, I was actually peeping, I don't know uh, for how many folks have been inside correctional facilities, uh, it's a metal door that I was trying to talk to this person through with a tiny little uh, plastic window. I could see through the window, this person uh, actually had a desk. On that desk was propped up an APDS tablet. And you and I asked him, what are you doing on the tablet? And he said, I'm taking a vocational training course on entrepreneurship uh, so that when I get out, I can start my own business. And I think you have to have that image in your mind. There's so many people that are hungry for not just post-secondary education, but any education. They have ambitions and they deserve a second chance, just like the rest of us. That's great. Um, so Artie, uh, tell, tell us again a little bit about ADPS, uh, how can people find out more about it? And uh... Uh, so go to our website. It's apds.works. No, no, you're fine. apds.works. And uh, we have a lot of information about the work we're doing across the country. And we've got ways to connect with us through that. Uh, you can also connect with us on LinkedIn. Uh, and uh, so I, we look forward to hearing from folks. It's always great to hear stories. Um, about people who've had access to our devices and how they've changed their lives, as well as folks who want access to APDS. Thanks, and um, just uh, kind of a reminder at the end of the show here, if people, like if there's somebody who has a loved one who's in a facility, um, or if there's somebody listening to this who's an adult in custody right now, like how would they go about getting the tablets and the programming like in, in their facility. Can so you just walk us yes. through that one more time. Yep. Go to our website, APDS.works. 
and uh, connect with us. There's ways on the website to communicate directly with us. Let us know what facility you're in and we will reach out directly to the administration there. We have relationships across the country um, and we can help facilitate that. The other thing they can do is talk directly to uh, their wardens, their custody staff, uh, if you're incarcerated and say, you know what, I heard about this program called APDS. I'd love it if you could investigate and bring it to my facility. And it's and it's free? It's it free to them. It's free to them. Uh, the jurisdiction pays and we can help the jurisdiction figure out ways to pay. Great. All right. Well, thank you so much. We've been talking today with Artie Finn from APDS uh, talking about uh recidivism and education in um, uh, incarceration facilities. Uh, Thank you so much, Artie, for joining us today on Prison Pipeline. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Have a good day. You too. Baby, you understand me now. If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you know no one alive can always be an angel When everything goes wrong you see some bad But I'm just a soul whose intentions are Listening to KBOO Portland on 90.7 FM, K2H2BH Philomath on 104.3 FM, and K220HR Hood River on 91.9 FM. Can't get good reception of KBOO on your radio? Just type in www.kboo.fm on your PC or laptop and click on Listen Live. We're just a mouse click away. One, two, Three, four. Y'all ready for this? Ladies and gentlemen. 
of repression. Bill Gates 